Welcome to 20% time. <laughs> All right. Welcome to No Plans to Merge. That is... The podcast. Um, that's the podcast that we don't do. The podcast that we do do. The podcast that we do do. Do do. Um, I'm your host, Caleb Porzio. I'm Daniel Colborn. And we talk about all things in the universe. Programming, including mostly, programming. but also Buddha. The Buddha. The Buddha. The Buddha. Buddha. Um, yeah, how, how you been? What you been up to? Oh, you know, I've been good. Um, doing my thing. I had a uh, tweet go viral. Oh, oh my. What defines viral? Like in uh, your mind, like how many likes or what? what is the metric for a viral tweet? I think go viral means like break outside of our network and like where it's like sort of self-perpetuating on its own. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I had that happen and I think it was the first time. What was your tweet? It's a, it's a little video of me showing how style elements in each. Oh yeah. I love that tweet. Of course it was viral. Interesting. But yeah, it did it's up to like nine and a half thousand likes or something well it's very accessible right it's like you don't like it's the type of thing where like i'm sure there are people who follow people on twitter because they're learning to become programmers and then a bunch of the stuff they tweet is like not accessible but it's the kind of thing where it's like if someone if one of your followers retweeted it and then someone who like knows html but isn't like a laravel developer like it's just more people know html so like i feel like html content is like if you can find like the gold that's left in those hills of html i feel like (laughs) more people understand html yeah right it's uh it's really fascinating to me why it went viral i didn't i barely even thought to tweet it all right, so I'll catch the listener up on what it is. Do uh-huh. you you want to do it? Yeah. So, uh, your basic thing that you did. So you basically built like what is essentially a code pen, uh, because you made a style tag that had style display block on it, uh, so that it was visible visible on the page, but also the effects of the code within the style tag were also applied to the page. Right, so imagine a style tag that has like body, background, red, or something, right? And then you you put display block on that style tag. Now you see the co- the CSS code on rendered to your HTML page. And then what Caleb did, which was the the cute move, was to add content editable to that style tag. So now not only can you see the content, you can actually change the content, and wouldn't you know it when you change the content it live updates the rendering of the page yeah that's it yeah so i mean it's a it's a double whammy the two the two interesting things about it are one you can make style tags block and they show up on the page which is kind of crazy yeah and then two that uh that you can add content editable to something and content editable is something that i only knew about in the past like maybe week like Maybe two weeks. I, when I saw it, I was like, "Oh, I used to know about that." 
But yeah. I can think of specific times recently when I wish I had known about that. Yeah, it's one of those things that I I just didn't know about at all. And then you find out about it and you go, whoa, that's really cool. I've been doing a lot of um, a lot of just scouring like MDN docs, like JavaScript and HTML and CSS docs. And, and just I've basically been doing a lot of just internet traveling just to absorb weird, obscure knowledge for fun. And I stumbled on content editable and was like, Oh, that's super cool. Like this, uh, and, and of course everybody knows about this when you have, after you, you know about it, then you look it up, then there's just oodles of people that have talked about it for years and years and years and years. Um, and yeah, so anyway, so Is that there was any golden emails. Other editable. Oh, so I found this, this super in-depth article, um, by on medium, but mm-hmm. by like the medium engineers. So it's on medium's blog. And they talked about why content editable is a terrible WYSIWYG editor. Um, because I bet I it, the way that they laid out the blog post made it seem like content editable is a serious contender for um, for uh, products that, you, that need things to be content editable. Like if you were making Squarespace. Right, because your other option is basically like catching key press events on... Like if, if you want to do like styled live rendering right right then your other option is basically having an invisible text area and catching key press events yeah right or doing like you could have uh like in ghost like side by side preview where the left side is the source the right side is the preview but right like live preview you you could like when an element's clicked on you hide it and you show like a text input and then when it's escaped or enters hit then it goes back to the rendered like there's there's but if you think, yeah, if you think about like Bear or something like that, like, or like the Dropbox, like think about the Dropbox paper editor, right? Have I've never used, used it, no. Oh. Is Dropbox paper like Google Docs? Like Google? It's like Google Docs, yeah, okay. but Dropbox. But it's stuff like, you know, like if I do my like, you know, mark down three hashtags, it makes me an H3. Right? Okay, yeah, cool. Um, And so there's stuff like that where it's like, I need to be typing in a thing that's not an input, at least visually. Yeah. So that's a place where I'm like, oh, content editable would be excellent for something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. The The Medium post was a very, it was, I don't know, a scholarly article to say the least. And they sort of, they really went into like, they defined axioms for like, mm. for what defines uh, uh, the minimum an axiom like like what like is the beginning the premise of a um of a proof like these are things oh, that wow. we're going to establish as like needs in content editing and they were these very like specific things that you would not think up if i just told you to think of three axioms of WYSIWYG editors and and so and then he kind of went through and showed how content edible doesn't uphold them and basically it's things like in certain browsers like if you hit enter in a content editable tag it'll add like a break tag other browsers it'll be a p tag other browsers it'll be a completely separate div like Lol. so then you get all this weird you know whatever there's there's tons of all browsers yeah so um but content editable is is cool nonetheless and i as soon as i found it i was like oh you know in, on github when you edit an issue name uh yeah or a pull request name there's like the name at the uh-huh. top and then there's a button at the right that says edit you hit edit mm-hmm. and now you can type into the issue field 
mm-hmm. believe it turns it into an input field, um, mm-hmm. which is what I would think to do. But mm-hmm. I was like, what if you could toggle content editable, but then how do you save the edited content? So I was like, oh, I, I wish there was some really cool, like pure native way to persist this data after it's edited. But after scouring the internet, people who've done it, they just like listen for a blur event or whatever event, and then they post it to JSON or t- with Ajax and yeah, remove yeah. content editable standard stuff. But yeah, so it's it's cool. I guess I guess it's cool if you were to again if you were to make like let's say a blog template and you wanted to sell it or something you could just add content editable to like everything and people could just replace your stuff with their stuff i don't know and then maybe you hook into it when i was a kid there was this cms i forget what it was called it was a bare bones php cms um and basically they gave you like these little template tags um that you could just drop into your html and then you could set a password um and then you would go visit these php pages and you could log in at the bottom of your page and then enter your password and then all of the places that you had tags would just turn into text areas cool and uh so me and me and my friend ray those that was the only cms that we could like reliably get to work yeah at that point you know like wordpress was still like we didn't understand theming wordpress and all that stuff but we were we did want to write html and css um but we weren't ready for cms land so whatever this thing was called it was called like simple something simple cms or something it was something bad um but then eventually we learned about, um, so we built like a comments system with it. And uh, then I realized you could inject HTML into into like the comments field and like escape the comments if you put like a closing HTML tag. Oh, yeah, and right. So if I had known JavaScript, I could have like run some JavaScript on his page or something, but I didn't. Yeah. So all I did was like render images to his page. Because that was because I could do that with my with my HTML. Nice. But yeah, anyway, it worked basically like that. So uh, in that, like when you press an edit button, everything just kind of turned into a text area that you could then run with. Hmm. Yeah. We want to take a break and thank one of our new sponsors, Dopamine. For those times you're questioning your self worth, use Dopamine. Sad, depressed, bored, Dopamine. Dopamine is a groundbreaking new pharmaceutical that gives you all the benefits of true, long-lasting happiness without all the hard work. There's no need to practice gratitude and loving-kindness or self-love anymore. Dopamine has you covered. For this podcast only, Dopamine is partnered with a well-known social media platform called Twitter to offer you a brand new dopamine distribution channel for free. Simply sign up for Twitter, write a hot tip tweet, and refresh the notifications tab for a quick hit. Doing this for most of the day is great for your personal happiness levels as your like counts rise. When your likes stop increasing, you can go check your followers for another few hits. When all this is over, go ahead and write another one to get that fresh high you had from the first one. One out of ten doctors recommend dopamine for their patients suffering from boredom, lack of internal balance, and approval-seeking disorders. Side effects may include inability to focus on programming, inability to keep your phone in your pocket while you're out and about, and rapid withdrawal symptoms after each hit. Call your doctor today and get started using. Now back to the show. That's cool. Uh, super quick story. I just remembered. I love I, a story. <laughs> there was a, 
I did a, a job before I did like web development and I mm-hmm. just did, um, uh, before I did web development and I just did like web design and stuff, um, and HTML mm-hmm. and CSS and would charge people what I thought was a lot of money, but was just so little money. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy came to me, he wanted me, he ran a local swim team mm-hmm. at like a high school and he wanted me to make a logo and set up a website and everything. So I made the logo and th- this is actually kind of like, this is a distant grandchild experience from my crazy, like Hindu guru, Panera bread, mm-hmm. um, Cisco router hospital experience. That I don't right. know. If, I think we talked about it on the show at some we point. We talked Muna. about probably at least a year ago. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, just a, another fun story of some old guy convincing me to do something and painting huge grand pictures that I'm going to be like the CTO of this big thing and I give it uh-huh, my all and uh-huh. they're just a joke and then I figure it out. Um, uh-huh. So this guy's sort of similar. He has like a mansion, but he's totally scattered and I don't know how he was able to buy this mansion. Anyway, he hires me to do this thing and he wants me to do the logo, whatever. He, he's putting the swim team on this service called like Team Unify or something. And it's like you get to do basic theming for your swim team's website, but it's super, super managed. Like this is, you know, like a a really niche, like sports app. Like it's going to be just rough around the edges and, and it's, they built the whole experience so that you get to like, you know, it's super handholdy, whatever. He wanted a specific like background. He wanted all the styling and he's like, can you do this? And I'm like, no, I don't think so. So I contact Team Unify, whatever. They don't let me. So I start just messing with input fields and seeing what they don't sanitize. And I eventually find... Oh, no way. Yeah. I find I find a, an obscure input that they don't sanitize style tags. Um, I don't know about <laughs> script tags, but at least style tags. So, so this like one-line input field, I do all the CSS where I change the background of the entire page to be like this image that I made and then I changed the header completely changed the header to be like the logo centered. I, I do like all the CSS in one little input and I don't know. I thought that was That's super excellent. cool. At the time it was like this huge, it was like the first time I, I actually like reverse engineered something. Yeah. Like yeah. in the like wild. Hacked your way around a barrier. Yeah. Right. Like in, in for a real application, you know, and it works. I think to this day, I think he uses oh that gosh. to this day. So. Yeah, there's a couple old, old websites I've made that are still up, and I'm happy. I'm happy that they're still... It's like if you built a car, and then someone told you you got like 600,000 miles. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. That you forgot, about, you forgot about the car. <laughs> and, uh... Right, exactly. <laughs> I was like, oh, I build jet airplanes now, but I'm glad that car is still killing it. Right, yeah. yeah. So, the tweet went viral. Yeah. And a couple thoughts on that. Uh, I'd love thoughts on well, virality. Well, first, here, before we go into the viral thoughts, here's a cool thing that someone shared in a reply. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. I, I don't know who it was. Somebody shared, oh, so-and-so does this kind of thing on their site. So I check it out. And it's um, it's the A Book Apart HTML5 book. Uh-huh. So the actual like page for the HTML5 book from A Book Apart. So it's legit, right? Like yep. this page is not... Uh, somebody who knew how to write HTML and CSS, like if not right. the most it's qualified person rapscallion. to write HTML yeah. and CSS wrote this page. And so it's a simple page. The, the, the header of it, the top of the page is red. 
and says like HTML5 fundamentals book or something in big letters. Uh And then the rest is the body. So I inspect the element and the header, the red header is the head tag of the HTML Mm -hmm. with display block. Like it is the head tag. And then the title inside of it is the title tag with display block. So it's literally like what the browser uses in the tab to, to, it uses the title tag. Like browsers use the title tag for the tab, the tab words, right? Like in your Chrome tab, the uh-huh. words that show up there come from the title tag. Right, right. He made the title tag display block and styled it oh. inside the head tag, outside of the body, inside the head tag, because he made the head tag display block uh-huh. and styled them both. So his body tag started with the body content of the page. Whoa. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I'm like, did we, is this like some way of writing HTML that it was like meant to do that we, I'm sure it yeah, wasn't like meant the, to do the this. the time but forgot. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. I thought that was yeah, so that, cool. That makes so much, because when you learn HTML, you always just learn like, Head tags were stuff that like doesn't show up on the page goes. Yeah. Right. But why why though? But why though? Exactly. <laughs> so it's pretty crazy. So apparently you can make meta tags, display block, you can make head tags, you can make title tags, style tags, everything. That's uh, insane. I know. Isn't that fun? There's gotta be a reason that's bad. I don't know. He did it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's, it's probably right. Probably like there's bad. I I don't know. I'm thinking of like like uh, script includes and stuff. If they're in the head, like they load what? Before? Uh-huh. Oh, well, I guess that makes sense. They load before. You, but you want your title to load before your content, right? Interesting. Well, it would load before. That's what I'm saying. That's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that was cool. And That uh, is cool. Eric Meyer. You know Eric mm-hmm. Meyer? I know. Yeah. I don't... Of Eric Meyer's Reset. Yeah, right? Yeah, he wrote the... <laughs> yeah, right. Everybody knows Eric Meyer. He wrote the CSS reset thing that is used yeah. for everywhere but forever. Yeah. I used to read his blog and stuff. Yeah. he he Did he do Atomic Design? Am I off on uh, No, that was Brad Frost. Brad Frost, right, right. He, I just lump them all together. Those are These are all like... Don't do that. The, I'm sorry. They're, Don't they're, lump them all together. They're individually amazing. But, but all of those people, like Zeldman... Uh, yep. Eric, My- like all of the front end, front end gurus, big front end gurus that have been at it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, he replied to the to the tweet, which was like, Ooh. that was the candy on top for me. And he's like, yeah, check this out. I did this on on this page, and he he's done this before, of course, and he used it for, for something. So, and then I found CSS tricks covered it, and like you know, this is something people know about. So, whoa, yeah, cool. Yes. Um. What? Can I ask your question? Yeah. What? What is your interest in web components? And why did you tweet a poll about whether or not people knew about web components? So, this is a short episode because I have a hard stop. Yeah. I want to do an entire episode on web components. Okay. <laughs> we could talk a little bit about it. Um. No. Let's do a whole episode on it. Okay. I'm very interested in web components, and I think it's going to be... I think you should be very interested in web components. Why do you think I should be? I think it's just up your alley. Why? Um, 
I think it may be a big part of Livewire. I could see it being a part of Livewire. Yeah, me too. I'm thinking, uh, thinking, yeah. And fortunately, yeah, when, when I saw you post that tweet, I was like, oh, I should have thought of this. I should have <laughs> been like, as a friend of the, as a friend of the project. I should have been like, hey, I've recently encountered web components. This might be the thing for you. But You've I didn't. You've done stuff with, re- with web components? I haven't, done, I haven't done stuff with them, but I considered it. Gotcha. Yeah. When we were deciding whether to write this app in React Native or Ionic 4. Okay. Um, Ionic 4, there's like a like pure JS components implementation. Okay, cool. Of Ionic 4 that we ended up not going with. Gotcha. But I like dove down it and was like oh pretty cool yeah pretty cool and then dove back out gotcha yeah there's i mean the ecosystem's got to a place where there's enough basically like you can write web components kind of like you write view components like yeah yeah there's there's some tooling around it that um third party you know tooling that um that makes it pretty slick and i guess the long story short about this and then we'll do a short story long episode but uh, I love to do a long story short followed by a short story long. <laughs> yeah. The gist is is that web components are isolated. They're scoped. Yep. So because they use Shadow DOM. And for the listener, if you don't know what Shadow DOM is, it's like invisible DOM. Like an element can have Shadow DOM. And the Shadow DOM renders on the page. But if you inspect the element in like Chrome DevTools, you wouldn't see the DOM unless you... Like, I feel like the the metaphor for Shadow Dom is if you're playing chess um, and there's the board in front of you, mm-hmm. but then before you make a move, you kind of close your eyes and you think about what's the state of the board going to be after I make this move and he makes his move and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. The board that's in your head that you're imagining is the Shadow Dom. Interesting. And then once you get everything sorted out in the board in your head, then you make your move on the real board. Yeah. That's interesting. I don't know if it's a perfect metaphor because Shadow Dom does exist and is rendered like as Shadow Dom. It doesn't right, like convert it... to normal Dom. There's Shadow Dom and there's Light Dom. Light Dom being I didn't it took me a minute to get this uh metaphor that Talk light, light is me. the opposite of dark, so it like shadow uh-huh. and then light. Okay. Normal HTML elements that we're used to are light dom elements. Yes. Shadow DOM ones are, they exist. They don't turn into light DOM elements. So if you have a web component called, um, all right, so here's the quick skinny on web components for the listener. A web yeah, component. And for me. And for you. Oh, wait, sorry, web components, not yeah, on Shadow yeah, yeah, DOM. No. Keep going. Web sorry. components. Uh-huh. They're basically custom HTML elements. So yes. you can create your own custom HTML elements. You can change, you know, you can add um, elements to those elements and you can style those elements. You can add JavaScript to them. But basically, so if I wrote a web component called Caleb's modal and I gave it to you, I would say, here, include this JavaScript file in your page, like a CDN or something like you would include any JavaScript. Now you can use the Caleb's modal, Caleb's hyphen modal tag in your HTML and it'll just work just like kind of like view components, except view does all these crazy things. And it's all just normal DOM manipulation where where this, what I would be giving you, is an a custom HTML element that has Shadow DOM. And all of the DOM for my modal would be in the Shadow DOM. And you yep. wouldn't see it on the page. Um, sorry, you would see it rendered on the page. You wouldn't see it in the source, if that makes sense. Um, I haven't built them myself. 
I've I've done like proof of concepts and little stuff in code pens, and I I messed with them when they first came out a while ago, uh-huh. but um, but I haven't actually like used them in a project, so I don't totally know how how the shadow dom looks in chrome dev tools but mm-hmm. but that's that's the gist of this of web components uh so the the cell is the cool thing about them is shadow dom is scoped or isolated so it doesn't uh like global css styles on your page don't affect it and styles defined inside of them don't leak out um same thing with javascript so they're completely scoped and you can include a web component into a view project or a react project and nothing will clobber anything else because it's all scoped which is why it's super key for livewire i believe it's going to be key for livewire because livewire the problem with using livewire and a javascript framework is that both things are javascript trying to manipulate the dom so yep. if you're i've tried to use view with livewire and it's just hell because Vue is trying to hijack the DOM and Livewire is trying to hijack the DOM. Mm-hmm. So web components could solve this problem by being completely isolated. Yeah. Gotcha. So it's promising. And turns out you can like flip off the shadow DOM switch and render light DOM, which basically turns web components into view components like like any other JavaScript component framework. So. So pretty sweet stuff. And Polymer. Polymer has been the framework forever that uses web components. Google. Mm -hmm. Google uh, does it. Um, And I've never really looked into Polymer much at all, but uh, they've been exposing some tools beyond Polymer. Like Polymer's sort of like the more, um, I don't know, opinionated framework like Vue or React. Sure. But uh, but they've been releasing these tools that are pretty non-opinionated and just kind of like, like lower level, but still super easy to use tooling. Um, yeah. That adds like reactivity to your data and a templating hmm. language. So basically writing a web component is like writing a view component or react component. Can you explain what light Dom is to me? Light Dom is Dom, the Dom, you know, and love to my mm-hmm. knowledge. Mm-hmm. It's just the word that you call normal Dom when you're talking about, Oh, what's okay. not shadow down. Sure, sure, sure. And so what you're telling me is, because this goes counter to what my understanding of what shadow dom has been in the past. What you're telling me is that the shadow dom so okay, we have a regular in a regular reactor view app, right? Yeah. We've got a shadow dom, we've got elements, we've got whatever. What is the role of a shadow dom in rendering? Oh, in a regular view app? Yeah. Nothing. There's no shadow DOM used at all. There is though, right? No. Isn't that the whole thing? None of it. Tell me why you think that. I swear, for a long time, I was under the impression that like the shadow DOM was essentially a DOM. It was basically like a copy of the DOM um, that existed in memory that you could make changes to and then rather than... You're thinking of the virtual DOM virtual dom yeah <laughs> yep. virtual dom totally different so what's the shadow dom okay so virtual dom the funny thing about virtual dom is it's not an actual thing it's not like right it's just a json object that view that creates make, and right. knows so hold on to catch the listener up so you it's really expensive to like dig around in your dom and make changes uh, because 
it's like takes a lot of time like selectors are bad and stuff like that so the goal with the virtual dom implementation from javascript frameworks as i understand it is let's make the changes to like an in-memory version of the dom and then when we're ready we'll do a tick um and on that tick we will like wipe the whole dom and replace it with the dom with everything that's changed um and so if several components change things on the dom in the same tick we just make all those changes to the in-memory version and then wipe it and it comes back yeah so that's sort of is that right pretty sort of there's some errors but but it's sort of right yeah so like virtual dom so let's say if you're not using virtual dom or anything and you're writing a component library that detects a change in data Mm -hmm. the data changes a really crude component library would just wipe all the dom and like div dot inner html all the the newly rendered dom of that component yeah yeah and that's expensive so the expensive uh-huh. thing is full rewrites. Manipulating DOM is not expensive, and the DOM API is not expensive. That's where Svelte comes in. <laughs> okay. That's why Svelte's becoming popular, because it's skipping so the virtual it's, DOM. So it's the opposite of what I said. Pretty much. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, And I, I could be getting this wrong as well, but I've gone pretty deep into at least the virtual DOM stuff um, because I, I actually used virtual DOM for Livewire, and then I ripped it out, and I used a different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Virtual DOM is, uh, like you said, it's a JSON. It's a JSON representation of your HTML. So, like, if you've ever, uh, JSX boils down to it. Um, like when you write JSX and you return your JSX template, JSX takes your template and it converts yeah. it into a JSON object, and it's a key value store um, where, right? Or is it just an? Yeah. Wait. 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 Oh, I'm getting my stuff mixed up. Whatever. If you're ever in view and use a render function uh-huh. and you return that H or like create element or whatever, um, where the first argument is the tag name, the second argument is options, and the third argument is children. Um, that's yeah. basically virtual DOM. Is like every node has a tag name, has options, which are attributes or props or CSS styles or whatever. And then mm-hmm. the third is children, which is an array of other nodes that have a tag name and options, right? Okay. So that's virtual DOM. It's just the JSON representation of that. Um, mm-hmm. And then the re- so the reason that people use virtual DOM, and I'm sort of riffing at this point, but I would think that the reason that people use virtual DOM, because like you could write your own virtual DOM library in like 20 minutes. You're taking JSON and you're walking through it step by step. So you have your original mm-hmm. your original JSON. And then a user makes a change in the data and then renders all the new the new stuff with JSX or whatever, produces a new JSON object. And then the comparison happens comparing this JSON object to that JSON object. And you find the differences in the tree. And whatever things are different, then you manually patch those things into the DOM. Um, and that's why it's cheaper because instead of comparing... Instead of just rewriting the whole DOM, you're comparing two JSON objects, pinpointing exactly which parts of the DOM need to change, and then manually updating those parts of the DOM. Does that make sense? Okay. Yep. Uh, So here we go. Here is some React motivation on why they went with a virtual DOM. Um, The reason we want a diff engine is so that we can write our templates as plain JavaScript functions that take in our current application state and return a visual representation of the view for the state. 
However, normally when you do this, you'd have to recreate the entire DOM for that view each time the state changed and swap out the root for, this is why it's more efficient, and swap out the root for your view. This is terrible for performance, but also blows away temporary state like user input focus. So right, right, right. They, by using a virtual DOM, they're able to selectively not re-render things where the state hasn't changed gotcha. because they're aware of the state. Yep. That's why it, okay. And you're not, and with with a virtual DOM, well, I guess this isn't, it depends on what we're talking about, but mm-hmm. you're, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty clean to render JSON from your components, you know? Then it allows mm-hmm. you to create cool tools like JSX or other interesting templating engines um, and give you really fine grain control over it because you're just producing JSON instead of right. actually producing a DOM string, you know? Right, right, right. Um, and then walking through two DOM strings, you have to use DOM API to do that instead of if you're walking through two JSON objects, then you can just use JavaScript, you know, to walk through them. Um, yeah, so... So yeah, so that's so Svelte. I mean, we're we're all over the place, but have you heard of Svelte? It's like the latest. Yes. It's going to be the new hotness because I don't know. I think it's just going to be hot. I don't think that it's necessarily justified, but um, it's it's, pretty it's cool, no, it's super cool. But it's just sort of like we're getting into the realm of people are doing things that are cool and more efficient, and they can show people benchmarks. But are we doing anything that actually helps us? <laughs> you know, like I'm right, not right. exactly convinced because its usage is almost the same as Vue, to my knowledge. So Svelte, the difference with Svelte is instead of generating an entire new JSON thing from a template, it's uh, it's aware of how the data ties in with your template and it knows when a piece of data changes, it knows automatically which part of your template to change. So it's not doing any DOM diffing or JSON diffing like with React or Vue. It's just mm-hmm. already knows. It's like, oh, this thing changed. Well, I'll update the DOM in the places it's referenced because I know where it's referenced. And it does that because it leverages compile time. Like it writes uh, right, 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 yeah. like TypeScript is like mm-hmm. Svelte script. Like, like it actually looks when you assign a variable and it adds extra code that then registers the observers for that stuff. Like how yep. view registers observers in your when you define something in the data. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is all stuff that like like three years ago, sitting at Laracon, listening to Evan Yu talk about view. He references this stuff all the time. Like all this internal language, like virtual DOM and DOM mm-hmm. diffing and observables and all that stuff. And it means nothing to most people. And it meant nothing to me. And I remember thinking, this guy doesn't realize that almost everybody here is lost right now and doesn't care mm-hmm. about what he's saying. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's way over our heads. And I fear I'm doing the same thing now. Nah. <laughs> right I, now, I, I mean, think I, I am to, you know, I love maybe. going down deep into it, but before I knew about it all, it's like, it just seems like this crazy other world that's... Yeah, I, I would know. have loved if someone had just grabbed me and explained certain things, though. Like, you know, like I think there's... I think there's things that are so gross and complicated and don't have good documentation that you're just like, oh, I'm not going to learn that, mm-hmm. you know? So I think I think there's a lot of DOM-related stuff where I'm like, mm-mm, not me. That's someone else's yeah, problem. right. Uh, one of the blog posts that lit everything up for me, and I would love to do a talk like this, there's a blog post out there where a guy writes a virtual DOM. He's like, 
Here, let's write a virtual DOM in one blog post, simply mm-hmm. with JavaScript, quickly. And he goes through it, and he basically writes like a basic virtual DOM engine that React uses or views. And if you go down low enough, like I've mentioned before, Vue actually uses this tool called SnapDOM. And you can source dive SnapDOM in like two files. Like, nice. it's this stuff is not rocket science. There's a lot of caveats, but it's super basic in its principles and you could write you could literally write your own react or view you know it just wouldn't cover all and the so is, edge cases is the reason the, the reason you're having problems with dom and dom stuff is basically that that you're uh you're basically either using you're using a different sort of system that has a different virtual dom and so like as you're clobbering each other's changes or something. Exactly, yeah. LiveWire uses MorphDOM, which is uh-huh. basically like all like SnapDOM or these virtual DOM libraries, except it uses actual DOM. It uh-huh. doesn't use JSON. Um, and it's reportedly faster than all those virtual DOM engines because DOM... Yeah. This is the part where I, I, th- I think you might be wrong. I, I don't know for sure, but at least MorphDOM claims that certain DOM traversal like DOM traversal is so fast compared to JSON traversal and other JavaScript types of traversal. Yeah, the reason I thought it is it's always just been stuck in my head that DOM is slow. And so right, when I yeah. when I heard of the virtual because of jQuery. DOM painting right? is slow. No, but even DOM selector lookups in jQuery were really slow. Um like I remember back in the jQuery days like doing a lot of okay. stuff where the DOM always ended up being the bottleneck. And so every time you could make a DOM select, like if something was slow, it's because you were looking up the selector 10 times. Weird. You I've never encountered that. Huh. Yeah. Um, and so in my head, it's just like DOM is slow, but it might've just been the jQuery implementation of DOM yeah. was bad. Or maybe selectors are slow. When you're doing DOM diffing, you're not using selectors. You're just using like next yeah, yeah, element yeah. child and stuff like right, that. Right, right, right. Um, and checking for node equality. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so anyway, LiveWire uses MorphDOM and yeah, to do all the DOM diffing. And right, so I'm doing what React is doing and what Vue is doing. <laughs> so yeah. you can't have two things doing that right, over right. each other. You can, but things get nutso. Things get nasty. Yeah. So. Word. Yeah, man. Um, Big times. Cool. Good times. Good times. Really quick. Uh-huh. Um, just because I wanted to mention it earlier, when it comes to the viral tweet, yes. I just had a thought that I wanted to share. Lay it out there. Uh, Kent, Kent Beck. Uh, Kent good Beck, old, wise... Good old KB. KB, wise programming sage who is uh, credited for saying... Make the change easy, then make the easy change. Make the change yep, easy, yep. warning this is hard, then make the easy change. Yep. Um, and I think he works for Facebook or worked for Facebook forever. Kent Beck, he, uh, he wrote a blog post one time that said, publish everything. And uh-huh. the title is Publish Everything. And his thesis is like, you should publish everything because you suck at knowing what people want and what will be popular and what information is good for people. And he like lays out his case by showing all his tweets. He downloaded all his tweets and all the metrics around them. And he very scientifically like goes through and shows you like with um, with like statistics, like 
like they're uh so he walks through and he shows you with statistics that like it's an eventuality that all have a tweet that reaches like i don't know i forget the but like two million reach at this like sure. distribution sure, sure. it's an eventuality. like so it was very scholarly and uh-huh. but the point is is that anytime he thinks something is going to be popular like he can't he's the worst at knowing so you have to publish everything and just see what and let nature you know bubble up what what it should and this tweet was totally proof of that like yeah i wasn't even gonna do it i did it for fun i thought nothing of it and apparently like and i still can't even compute in my head why so many people think this is so interesting compared to other things you know it's just like i kind of get it but i wouldn't be i wouldn't have been able to predict it you know yeah, 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 and you wouldn't have been able to engineer it either. Exactly, I would not yeah. have been able to engineer it, right? Yeah. So it's just like, well, I can't. That's that's the, the point. I won't be able. My, I couldn't engineer. I have it. that one that one super viral tweet from forever ago, um, about oh, what the hell was it? Oh, it was like it was like a screenshot of someone else's uh, Tumblr post, and I just happened to post it to Twitter, and it went viral. Um, but it was it was one of those like things where like I found it on Facebook and the original author had been cropped out of it, and now it's been like you know transmitted across multiple different social platforms. Oh yeah. So eventually, someone ended up finding the original author and linking me to it. But it was something about like oh, it was the respect thing. Um, but that one like occasionally, still today, I just get like a random like on it, and I'm like oh. <laughs> That tweet's been up for like a year. Yeah. So nice. look forward to that. You're yeah, right. Yeah, random, that's one of the random <laughs> likes for the next for the next year. Yeah, there is a a trailing off effect of like tweets in general where, like, I I, I ignore them for a while if I have mm-hmm. like one of my popular tweets. Doesn't happen all the time, of course. But then you come back and check on it or something, or somebody comments on you like, "Oh crap!" That just like over time, it's amassed all these tweets because. Just a little bit, yeah. The, the the tapering off in some is significant, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, anyway, that is good mm. stuff. Publish everything. Yep, that's proof. Uh, yeah, that's it. And that's what we got for you today. That is it. Cue Goodbye. the outro. Bump bana. Wait, the other music. It's the other music. Okay, cue the other outro.